on this episode of Shack Shack, we're taking a look at mental health and therapy. More and more each day, we see the effects of mental illness and the importance of prioritizing mental health. But a lot of the discourse still surrounds self-care and self-help remedies, but sometimes people really may need more than that. Mm -hmm. I, I think we're all aware of the stigma surrounding mental health challenges and in particular the need to consult a professional you know nonetheless i do see some strides where i do see persons bravely giving voice to some of their own personal struggles but certainly in barbados and the region it still feels a bit taboo so mm -hmm. today we have the pleasure of chatting with jonah matthews who is a qualified counselor who operates counseling solutions a private practice serving clients age 16 and over. So welcome, Jonah, and let's talk therapy. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes. So people sometimes view mental health treatment as a luxury of the rich or perhaps the unfortunate fate of the troubled. This kind of mm -hmm. aligns with some of the, you know, the roadblocks to therapy, maybe stigma or cost. So maybe we could talk a bit about that. Maybe you could share your general thoughts on some of the things that discourage people. Um, I think more than anything within our Caribbean culture, what is discouraging is that it's not um, widely advertised as something that is beneficial to your health in general mental health is health right that's the mm -hmm. takeaway of this evening um and if we were putting it out there like we put out diabetes and you know all the other problems obesity cancer if we were putting it out there like we we did those things within our culture i think more people would be accessing it mm -hmm. and it would also help to get rid of the stigma as well but the fact of the matter is anybody can go to counseling and anybody goes to counseling for a variety of reasons as varied as their personalities hmm. okay so mm -hmm. that leads me to i guess one of my other questions where are some of the things that lead people to therapy all right is it you know just the extreme cases like death of a loved one or something like that or do people end up in your office for like casually so to speak that's a very good question um you have people of a certain level of understanding of self who are just looking to grow as individuals so for personal development and they will seek out therapy as they would seek out a medical consult you know like you go for your yearly physical mm -hmm. um, people will come because they just want to have sort of like a, an evidence-based feedback so to speak um, mm -hmm on their journey so there's that and that's healthy and that is highly recommended and then of course you have people seeking therapy for all sorts of life issues um, that might include um, circumstances of, of bereavement or death um, separation whether it's separation through divorce or separation through um, moving locations you know that kind of thing mm -hmm. um other major life transitions such as if they've had past experiences that they need to process yeah. um such as in childhood um and then there are people who come specifically to deal with specific psychological um, concerns to them so um racing thoughts or compulsive thoughts 
thoughts or persistent thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, things that are just there and not going away. Um, some people come because they're having difficulties relating to others, whether in their home environment or their work environment or their school environment. And some people come to cope with feelings of depression, anxiety, stress. Um, but yes, a lot of people come for personal development um, oh. as a preventive, you know, measure. Um, so people, and that too has to do with a little bit of awareness now. I, sh- I should say that more, the, the people who come more for personal development are usually people who are within the corporate environment and within the younger generation, at least in my practice. Okay, so, okay they're coming as a preventive measure they they're going into a new job and they want to make sure that they have communication skills so you know to to have an advantage or there are people who are getting married and so they want to do premarital counseling to make sure that they enter their marriage with the appropriate tools so that kind of um personal development okay well Mm -hmm. as you said it's you know it's varied as people's personality so um, mm-hmm. in terms of what persons can expect on like their first visit, you know, imagine somebody who, you know, has never done it before. What can they expect? Mm-hmm. I know there may be some myths that you want to debunk here. You may be laying on a coach, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what can they expect? Um, well, the lying on the couch thing is very specific to the psychoanalytic um, Freudian counseling perspective. And even these days, it's not so much done. I mean, some therapists will have couches and you're invited to sit wherever you want and if you want to lie down so be it but it's not necessarily what happens in real life it's it's the a past method so to speak um what would usually happen is you would come into the session you would greet the counselor and vice versa and what would follow would be what we call a clinical intake or a clinical interview And this is where we are asking all sorts of questions because we're trying to gather your history. Um, And your history would include things like, you know, medical history, um, your interpersonal history, like how you've been, you know, dealing with people, um, family history, um, mental history, is there a psychological um, concern in your family? And then, of course, we move on to what brings you to therapy? Why are you there to, you know, for the day? Mm -hmm. Um, In between there, there's some very important things that have to happen. The counselor must speak to you about confidentiality. It is the hallmark Mm -hmm. of the, the introductory to counseling sessions, the introduction to counseling sessions, um, at least in the first session. And the conversation is usually basically telling you that everything is is confidential and then the counselor will expose you to the limitations of that and if they have to um, break confidentiality for any reason, how they would probably go about it. Um, And then you move into your presenting concerns and it's really just talk therapy. It's Mm -hmm. not, everybody who goes to counseling has to understand that it's a process it's not a medical examination, so nobody's going to be looking at your body and mm-hmm. saying, well, go home with this medicine, because, right, it's not that kind of, it's not, uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all, you, your problems won't fit into a box. There are problems mm-hmm. that are, are similar and 
research has been done on the problem itself first to understand as much about the problem as possible. But the reason why you come for individual work and you don't just take everything off the internet or off somebody who's unqualified and think that they know what they're talking about when they talk about anxiety is because your personality plays a big factor. Your personal circumstances play a big um, factor. And the counselor has to use their analytical skills to be able to listen to what you're saying empathetically sorry mm -hmm. and then provide you with some sort of interpretation and, and get you to a place where you are solving the problem okay so yeah that's what you can expect it's talk therapy fair enough it makes mm -hmm. sense to me so i mean mm -hmm. in terms of we talked about the what they can expect on the first visit maybe some of the things and, and maybe you touched on it there already but some mm -hmm. of the things mm -hmm. that you do to put your client at ease you did mention confidentiality but i'm you know somebody's a bit right. nervous you know some of the things that you have found kind of put them at ease because yeah. obviously it's a high stress situation yes, most times yes so absolutely there must be rapport building as soon as possible usually within the first session and we do this by again um listening with as much empathy as we can, being our authentic selves. And what that means is we're not trying to say that we agree with everything that you're saying, mm -hmm. but we will validate. So you know what I mean? Like I can yeah. understand your perspective. It doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with everything that you're saying. So we're authentic in that regard. We give or we provide unconditional positive regard, meaning that we're open, we're welcoming, we're we're open-minded about whatever it is you're willing to share. Yeah. Um, sometimes there's resistance. Um, so usually we find resistance in people who are um, oppositional or um, demonstrating avoidance behaviors for whatever reason. It might be a defense mechanism for them, or it might just be that they're not on the same wavelength as a therapist at that point in time. Like they've been mandated to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. you know, the counselor or the therapist is talking about, well, let's work on some problem solving so that you don't do that again and you don't end up before the judge again. And they're not there. They just want to go back to whatever bad habit, <laughs> you understand? So yeah. that and brings resistance. And usually, in addition to the things that I just mentioned, you know, the unconditional positive regard, the, the, the listening with empathy, the validating and so on, we would use a lot of open-ended questions so to elicit more conversation and hope mm -hmm. that that will you know get that the would open up open, open up. the yeah yes yeah i use a technique um in counseling called self-disclosure mm -hmm. and i will usually find an opportunity for self-disclosure within the first session because i find for me in my practice and within this culture that helps to put somebody at ease to see me as vulnerable to see that i have something in common with them or even if it's not in common it's a story that um makes a point to whatever it is they're bringing to me so that usually helps to bring rapport yeah and you i mean and mm. you, you mentioned rapport um between mm. the the client and the therapist would you say that's one of the most important factors in developing this relationship um having absolutely. rapport absolutely if there is no trust the process is flawed yeah, yeah. i agree because and, I, and I, you really um, have yes, to trust your yeah. 
trust the person that you're disclosing what the, you know this very intimate um, information yes. with. Because sometimes the therapist might have to use uh, a technique that might be considered controversial in and of itself. So for example, one such technique would be something we call confrontation. This is where we make statements to you or we question you in such a way that points out a discrepancy between what you're saying and what you're doing or what you're saying and what you just said that you're thinking. So we point out discrepancies to you. And as we know, in our everyday life, we don't, as a people normally like people to point out when we're wrong right definitely so, not <laughs> right <laughs> so you really have to trust the counselor and you really have to trust the process and you ha you you have to see you know where you're coming from and where you're heading um another reason why we actually use um well in my practice i use um collaborative goal setting so i don't just decide that i'm the expert on you and i say okay we're going to work on goal a goal b goal c right i come up with things based on what you have shared with me in your first couple of sessions and then i present to you a plan and you have the opportunity to say well i agree with this i don't agree with this let's add this let's remove this because i feel like as if i've worked on that and so on and so forth so oh. all of this helps in building the trust and building yeah. the rapport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, you didn't mention some of the techniques that you use in, you know, overcoming some of the challenges that your mm -hmm. clients may face. So maybe you can just give me maybe a high level of some of the, maybe the main methods or the main approaches that you might take to, I mean, of course that depends on what the, the particular issue is, but if you have a yeah. kind of overview of some of these yeah. methods. So there are so many theoretical orientations that we use as psychologists and counselors, and quite a majority of us use an eclectic approach. Um, in my practice especially, I use something called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a process that takes you to understand how your thoughts affect your behavior, how you, and then affect your, you know, your emotions and that cycle and what it means. And there are interventions in between there. And then I use solution-focused therapy, which, which um, approaches your situation from a solutions focus rather than a problem focus. So we're not focusing on the problem; we're trying to figure out what do we do about it. Um, so, having said that, some very specific techniques from within those theoretical orientations that I like to use are things like I will do a lot of cognitive um, restructuring assignments where I invite the clients to challenge their negative thinking patterns. Of course, we have to identify what those negative thinking patterns are and we speak about how to challenge them. They will probably get homework um, in the form of journals and so on. And my preference is that they go into the real environment and they practice these things for about a week or two before they come back for a follow-up session. I will use things like um, behavioral experiments. So for example, if a couple was to come to me and they indicated that they had problems with intimacy, I would probably give them an assignment to go and um, come up with six dates each and come up with a schedule as to how they're going to make sure that they have those dates um, with the aim of building intimacy. So that's a behavioral experiment. Um, I would do things like relaxation strategies. 
that would benefit persons with depression, anxiety, stress, a whole host of other issues. And there are all sorts of different things that so deep breathing, mindfulness, um, progressive muscle relaxation, all of those fall within relax relaxation strategies. Okay. Um, yeah. So those are just a few. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. that, I mean, that, as I said, it would definitely depend on the particular client, yeah. but certainly um, it does seem like fairly comprehensive. Yeah. Um, I, one thing I was curious about is in terms of, um, do you find there are equal numbers of women and men attending your therapy sessions? And do you find there are any differences maybe in their outlook or their experience of that therapy? That's an interesting question. I was actually looking at um, my own practice recently. I can only answer in, in, in yeah, terms of my fair, practice. Fair I enough, don't know fair what enough. research has been done here. Yeah. Um, I have currently more women attending, but since I started private practice full-time in 2014, I started part-time in 2012, but since I started full-time in 2014, um, the number of men who have been coming have increased steadily every single year. Okay. And... In terms of the kinds of issues that they come for, very similar, very much on par with what the women come for. for. So um, anxiety, depression, stress, issues in their relationship, issues with their, with their coworkers, uh, you know, issues with their boss. So the, the reasons why they come are on par. Um, sometimes though, their perspective and their approach to things are slightly different. Mm -hmm. um, but they are just as committed to the process and very much willing to do the work. I have, um, I find my clients, both male and female, who come are serious about it. I mean, we're in the Caribbean, we don't waste money. True. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that is a good point. Yes, <laughs> I concur. When we, come, yes, <laughs> when we come to therapy, we come to do the work. We're not playing games, right? So I'm very happy that that has been my experience because there's a technique in psychology in counseling called silence and I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> I would prefer not to use it. Sometimes I use it when it's absolutely called for, but not for very long periods. Oh, so I okay. like when my clients come, they're ready to work. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what was, so you said that, that that technique is called silencing, is it? Yes. Sitting in silence. So, oh, you know, okay. uh, you probably share a technique or the person probably has sort of an aha moment and, you know, you just uh, remain silent and allow that person to have a moment and, and go through their own thoughts, you know, because it's okay. not therapy and it's a lot of back and forth. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. So <laughs> interesting. Um, <laughs> In terms of, well, one of the other things I was considering is whether therapy is viewed as a short-term solution or is it like a lifestyle where you're going to the gym or you're going to get an annual checkup with your doctor? Hmm. You know, what's your, your kind of view of, you know, therapy? That's a very interesting question. I think um, for me, the more objective answer would be to say it's both depending on the person and the situation. For some people, it could be a short-term um, solution where they come and they equip themselves with the tools. And so when the concern or the problem pops up again, they are able to handle it. And for others, it's sort of a lifestyle where 
you know, you go for a period and you're fine for a period and you may have a relapse or you may just want to check in and make sure that everything is still okay. So you go like once or twice a year. So, you know, there's that. And then there are other people where it's a lifestyle in the sense that they come every month, at least once a month, just mm -hmm. to check in regardless. So it all depends on the individual and, and the concern that they have. Okay. So... Mm -hmm. I guess my my last question would be, you know, mm -hmm. if there was just one thing you wanted people to know about mental health and maybe therapy, what what would that be? Just one thing. Well, I mean, if you have two, it's okay. That's fine, you know. Okay, I'll take so, two. Okay, no pressure. I would say the first one is your mental health is health. Just the same way you take care of your physical health you need to take care of your mental health so that's the first thing that i would say um the second thing i would say is in order for you to be mentally strong in my opinion and based on what i've seen in my practice it's not enough to just look up good things that you can do you understand mm -hmm. to grow like you know the relaxation strategies all of the affirmations and all of the wonderful things that you will access on the internet and so on it's not enough to just um, input good things. You have to work on removing the bad habits as well. And only when you find that balance are you, you know, mentally strong. So okay. two things. There you go. <laughs> I mean, if there's one more that you feel compelled to share, I, I certainly wouldn't stop you. Okay, I would say <laughs> that the third thing is that the same way we could go to our pastors for spiritual and, you know, um, counsel and mm -hmm. enlightenment, and the same way we could go to our medical doctors, and in some cases, people in the Caribbean will still go to the voodoo man, you know, oh, to understand what mm -hmm, is happening mm -hmm, with them. <laughs> you know, if you're going to try all of those things, and some of them are good things, why not try counseling, right? Yeah. So, yes. That's what I, I would say there. I feel that is a compelling point. I yeah. agree with that. Remove the stigma, stop your nonsense, yep. and go and talk to somebody. Get I some agree. feedback from somebody who's not your friend or family member. I, I agree. I feel that there yeah. is definitely value in that. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jonah. It was indeed insightful. Uh, hopefully mm -hmm. this session is useful to listeners and inspires some new conversations on mental health. And, you know, I for people so to too. consider some, as you said, you know, to consider their mental health and some of the things that are available to them if only they would give it a try. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hey, thank, thank you so, so much, much for having me. I had thank fun you. with this conversation. As did I, as did I. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to join us every other Wednesday for another episode of Shack Shack. Subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also connect with us on IG, Facebook and Twitter or by email at akilia at shakshak.club. Let's shake things up. <laughs>